I realized that I was now a hostage in my home, and I had not only withdrawn from society and withdrawn into my home, I had withdrawn into my bed. And I thought, now where do you go? If things get worse than they are now, what will you do? This was not an abundant life. And in that moment, when I realized I had nowhere else to go, I said to him, I'll do whatever you ask of me. And in the moment I said that, I heard him ask me something. What I heard him say was not what I wanted. He said, make your bed. And I thought, make my bed? I'm telling you, I'm pouring out my heart here. I'm, I'm in big trouble, and I need you to help me. And I heard it again. Make your bed. Welcome to Along the Way. I'm John Matarazzo, your host and fellow traveler. Thank you for joining me along my way as I try to become more like Jesus every day. I love talking with fascinating people and learning how God has met them along their way. In this episode of Along the Way, I have the privilege and honor to talk with Patsy Claremont and Andrew Greer. Patsy Claremont is well known for her involvement in the Women of Faith conferences. Her humorous way of communicating her perspective on life comes through in her many books and speaking. In this episode, you will hear Patsy share how she faced her crippling fear and overcame it through God's direction, one step at a time. She is walking proof that God uses cracked pots. I'm not being rude. That's actually the name of one of her books. I promise. Andrew Greer was featured in episode 8 of Along the Way, and if you want to hear more of his Along the Way interview, I'll provide the link for that in the show notes. I would like to thank Redbird Social for the use of their studio to record this interview. They are a great digital marketing agency, and if you are in the Franklin, Tennessee area and need a place to record an interview or a podcast, they are great to work with. I'll get to the interview in just a moment, but I want to remind you that you can hear all of my episodes, even the ones that you've missed, by visiting my website, alongtheway.media, or simply subscribing to Along the Way in your favorite podcast app. I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, and you can keep in touch with me by emailing johnalongtheway at gmail.com. My social links and web address are in the show notes. I look forward to hearing from you. And now, here is my Along the Way conversation with Patsy Claremont and Andrew Greer. With me today, I have Patsy Claremont and Andrew Greer, who's a good friend and who's been a guest on the podcast before. And uh, he was such trouble last time that he has to have a babysitter this time. (laughs) (laughs) So that's why Patsy's here. That's good job. Uh, I'm just kidding. You're not. No. So I'm, I'm down here in Nashville on this trip. And uh, Andrew said, hey, you got to meet my friend Patsy. And so he told me a little bit about you, the, that you guys do a radio program together that is, you're going to be turning it into a podcast as well called Bridges. Before we get into the story of, of your life, Patsy, can you tell me a little bit about what Bridges is all about? Well, it turns out that we really hit it off as friends, which is rather unique to many people (laughs) because he is a millennial and I am a deep into the boomer stage (laughs) kind of girl. And we found that uh, because we relate, both of us have very wide circles of reference uh, in regard to people, and we find it very natural 
we found that a lot of people didn't have that in their life. Yeah. They stayed within the realm of their comfort. And so uh, we wanted to help build some bridges generationally. Would you like to add to that? Well, it said quite beautifully by the old boomer. <laughs> I, don't, I try to, to refrain from calling her the old gal, but, and she, but she refrains from calling me the dumb idiot. <laughs> no, not at all. Uh, I think both of Patsy and myself throughout our lives have had multi-generational relationships. Okay. Mm-hmm. Patsy and her family, uh, which you met her son Jason yeah. here just a few minutes ago. We're using um, his studio right now. Yeah, that's really right. Cool. Yeah, and he's, you know, so he's, and then they have grandkids. They all live under the one same roof. roof. Okay. So which There's is, seven of us. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So that's a generational opportunity. <laughs> that's that's, right a, that's one way to put it for sure. Yeah. <laughs> Very positive way to put it. Yeah, yeah. I live by myself, <laughs> but uh, uh, I think we've always had. I've always, since I was a child, uh, I loved my parents' friends. I, mm-hmm. I had peer friends that I loved. I loved my parents' friends, and I had connections even with senior citizens when I was a child, twenty, thirty years ago. Right. You know, and so I think there was built in within me appreciation for that too by my parents. But what I remember thinking even early on was, I just thought the stories that came from generations that had lived more life than I had lived mm-hmm. were so potent with information, number one, but number two, lessons. And I didn't experience the older generations ever in a wag your finger, I'm going to teach you something way. Mm-hmm. They just shared. And yeah. by nature of listening, I learned so much. But I also discovered that they really, they asked questions. They wanted to know about me too. I never felt talked down to. Mm-hmm. And so I've had a wonderful experience. I think our world, our culture, not just within the church, but without the church, could really benefit from listening, number one. Absolutely. And number two, paying attention to people of all generations, all ages, because there's just a wealth of wisdom. Yeah. Um, and I think one of the things that has really caught my attention in Scripture is that the Lord often asked when he already knew. But he would ask to put people in the position of having to find their answers. And so I think by asking, it's a whole other kind of education we can benefit from. If we give the right question to the person for their own introspection and we ask the right ones for our benefit. Mm -hmm. So I think there's a lot of bridging of years and learning experiences and you naturally connect with people you naturally connect with right Right. patsy looks pint-sized and pleasant but she is (laughs) and she is pleasant but she's also very mischievous okay and i think that's within my spirit too you know there there are the things that transcend generations Mm -hmm. as well you know we do have uh, a vast amount of differences but we also have a great many alikes. Right. And so there was a natural pull. We did not know each other when we first met, which is an obvious statement. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Ponder that one. Yeah. <laughs> so, I was lost. a child when I was young. I'm lost in the depth. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'm a well of things. So uh, when we met, we did not have a lot of context with one another. I okay. knew her children a little bit. And uh, there was a very natural connection from the very beginning. Mm-hmm. And so it's good to, it, I think it's a gift 
I think that's a spiritual gift, yeah. our natural connections with other people. And no, that's not everybody. We can respect and love everyone, but where we naturally connect with others is something to pay attention to, because I think that's where maybe God has something in store for us. Maybe we learn something about his character yeah. and his attention to us. Well, in a world that's so divided and so divisive, you know, if we can focus on the things that we do agree on, mm-hmm. the things Absolutely. that are alike, it helps build a common ground so that whenever those things are different, we can respect those a little bit better. Well, we both love reading. Okay. We both love books. So that's one of our shared spaces. He will borrow from my library and uh-huh. I'll confiscate a book from his and mm-hmm. um, we'll share ideas. We don't always agree on that. He likes spooky stuff. I'm not as much into that, but we have other genres <laughs> that work for us. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, Stephen yeah. King didn't go far with her. Yeah. <laughs> I love music, but I'm not musically inclined and okay. Dear Andrew uh, gave me as a gift that which did not help Bridges a <laughs> <laughs> a little ukulele. Okay. And I, I love that ukulele, but it doesn't play all by itself. It needs help. And uh, I have not yet conquered that. I'm still working on You Are My Sunshine. Okay. It's That's, that third chord of the three that really oh, trips her yeah. up. <laughs> yes. That's, that's great. So in your, in your radio program, which is going to be a podcast soon, mm-hmm. um, what are the things, like, what do you talk about? What are, what's the, uh, the well, theme that, of the show? There's not too many topics we're not willing to go after. If we don't have any background in it, we have wonderful guests mm-hmm. who come in and are willing to help us out, like Cindy Moore. Morgan mm. and uh, Jan Sylvia, right? And Sheila Walsh was on, and yeah, our friend Sandy Patty, and my dad. That's right. He's a therapist, so he had some okay. qualifications yeah. other than being <laughs> my dad. He, I mean, an, being Andrew's dad is great, but having a therapist, it is a, it's a therapist, own mantle. It's, it's own, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it bore some suspicion, but <laughs> being a therapist was real good. Uh-huh, yeah, I, I think you know we thought about this theme of bridges yeah. and literally thinking about physical bridges that connect us from one place to right, another that right. are a necessity uh, for, I mean, think about this podcast along the way, like a necessity for uh, seeing different perspectives, for meeting different people, for experiencing new things. Bridges are part of that in our everyday Absolutely. life, right? Without bridges, we would still be a very disconnected world. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of the idea. What are the kind of conversations we can have that would act as bridges between um, generations. And I do think topically uh, within the culture of Christianity, especially I think in our Western world or maybe even American evangelical mm-hmm. world, I'm not sure how to totally segment that, but it was difficult or maybe just not always encouraged to talk about the heavier um, situations in life, which everyone is experiencing at some point in Absolutely, their life, yeah. right? And then for me to have a wealth of wisdom with someone like Patsy, who has, again, a few more years ahead of me living mm-hmm. through those situations and circumstances, even if they're not the same ones, but the things that have tested and tried her, and then seeing some of the result of that, both good and bad, gives me, just like you were saying before we started, a whole new... One, it gives me hope. Yeah. Because she's still here. Mm-hmm. You know? And so sometimes when you're in the thick of it, you're wondering... Well, I lived through this, you know? I mean, things are that heavy. 
And then to give people permission to talk about things and it not take their spirituality away, for it, it not to take the discipleship away, for it not to take Jesus away. Mm-hmm. You're talking about Jesus walking along the path with us. I truly believe that is true. I don't... Nothing separates us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Absolutely. Nothing. Yeah. I really do believe that. So there's a lot of other details in life, but nothing can separate us. When we bridge the generational gaps with conversation, mm-hmm. I think it affirms that. Yeah. And I've had a lot of fun studying some of the bridges, learning about how they were built and when they were built. And one of the bridges that came to my mind Uh, was the bridge between Lower Michigan and the Upper Peninsula, which is what brought my husband and I together. He lived way up on one side, and I lived way down on the other side. So in the state of Michigan, Mm -hmm. uh, we were 600 miles apart. And we met in a little tiny ghost town in the Upper Peninsula, and... Um, the bridge was the Mackinac Bridge okay, that, that allowed okay. us to meet each other. And we've been married now for 57 years. So it's working. We have great hopes for the future. Yeah. So do you talk about <laughs> specific bridges, like actual yes. bridges on the show? Mm-hmm. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, we've talked about that one. It's amazing to think you've been married 57 years as a 49-year-old. It's really <laughs> phenomenal. Yeah, you wonder, the trans- how could that it's, be? It's time, I know. But yeah, we talk about all, we, one bridge. I can't remember the name of it. And some of them are the weirdest names. Oh, yeah. But they are fascinating bridges. Really, Patsy is the better researcher. She finds these amazing bridges, but one of them is a glass bridge. Was it in China? Glass. Oh, the glass bottom. Yeah. Yeah, the bottom of yeah. it is glass. Yeah. And it- you see, they show little videos with people just screaming. Oh my gosh! It's I don't know. Laid out. I don't know if I could go on that one. Oh. oh, you know that's my first. Like I'm like, please. And yet I, ha- I mean, I have. So- I don't think I have a fear of heights. But I do feel if I'm very high up, like yeah. in my backpacking excursions in the mountains or whatever, if I'm really close to an edge that's really um, high, this doesn't pertain to the conversation, but I feel the urge to fly. <laughs> you feel the urge to fly. So we'll keep Andrew away from <laughs> Yeah, yeah and I asked him for one time, I said, don't you feel that urge just to jump? I mean, knowing in reality that that's not feasible uh-huh. if you want to live. And... Uh, he was like, no, not at all. <laughs> You're not alone, Andrew. I've had those thoughts. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's not dark thoughts. It's just thoughts. Yeah. It's like, could I could I survive this little fall? I don't know. Yeah. Don't know. Well, indeed, I don't think we could. No. Definitely <laughs> and not. And that's where the wisdom of the yes, generation yes. just comes in. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So, Patsy, what have you learned from Andrew? Well, <laughs> I've learned he makes great, is that salsa? Yeah. Yeah, great mm-hmm. homemade salsa. Um, well, I've, I, he gives me great hope for the younger generation because when you get to the age that I'm at, I'm in my 70s, I won't say how deep <laughs> I'm committed to it, but let's say it's to my knees. And... Um, you can get stodgy. Uh-huh. You can begin to sound like a lot of people who are going, oh, the younger generation, there's got nothing going on good for them. And uh, someone like Andrew comes along and you see how innovative he is and how kind he is. 
and how he uses his gifts to honor the Lord. Mm-hmm. And for an older person, we think, oh, maybe I need to take another look. And that's what I'm hoping the broadcast yeah. will do, is cause people to take another look, to go back over a bridge mm-hmm. and be open to relationship with someone that you might have thought, well, I'm too old for them, and instead say, I wonder what in our sharing we could bring to the table for each other. Mm-hmm. And Andrew, what, yeah. have you, what have you learned from her? To piggyback off that, I mean, I think to respect someone of a different generation, an older generation, partially is to trust the experience that is coming, the words coming out of their mouth, to trust those even when I don't always resonate with them. Because I think in my place of life, and John, you and I are mainly peers, Mm -hmm. then it's easy to kind of believe I have some element of control. We still have a lot of control of our bodies. We still Mm -hmm. have a lot of control over our just wherewithal. You know, we're kind of in that center point of life uh, physically and mentally. But... The truth of the of the matter is we never are one fully in control. Um, that's just a part of our spiritual conviction. Mm-hmm. And then it's also a part of reality, of facing reality. That even when we feel that I've got this all within the, I've got this within my means and resources, yeah. I don't. And so therefore, if I'm in relationship with someone like Patsy, when it shows itself, when it reveals itself to me that I am indeed not in control, which circumstances will do that that are outside of my control, I'm not at a total loss of being like, wait, I thought I had this all together. There's someone who's on my side mm. who is saying, well, you know, there's been plenty of times when I don't. And you know what? Actually, right now, knee deep in this decade of my life, if Patsy's speaking to me, Here's the things I cannot control no matter what. And so I, I think it renders a sort of peace and a sort of perspective that offers peace. But specifically, I have learned to trust kind of the pace of Patsy as far as I can trust because Patsy's had a long career and had a really um, uh rewarded career lots of audiences lots of tempo to your career one point in time being gone much of the year traveling we understand similar lifestyles and she has found a pace in that uh and she's also learned from the maybe unhealthy paces of portions Mm -hmm. of her life that's very helpful for me because i'm a i i love opportunity i love experiences and i could do that to the detriment of my health. So mm-hmm. it's helpful to, which then is to the detriment of really people around me too. Yeah. So she helps you find focus. For, yeah, yeah. I think focus and I'll say socially speaking about like culturally speaking, I can be a pretty loose cannon as far I'm just a hugger. I, I just want to hug people and uh-huh, love them uh-huh. and whatever you are, whoever you are, come here. You know? <laughs> and I think that's okay. I think, I don't think there's anything wrong with that, but I can sometimes have very, undefined perspectives or opinions about things and I think that's okay too at times but I need a little bit of a a bumper on my bowling Mm -hmm. lane you know like to be like well yes but this naturally is unhealthy in this way and this is and it just shapes my perspective does that make any sense a little bit (laughs) (laughs) she's a bumper you know like Uh it's it's good to hear someone who's solid and what they think about things that's based on not just their opinion, but on their experience. Exactly, exactly. Where I'm still basing a lot of things just on 
opinion. Yeah. So it seems that you guys know. have definitely benefited from the relationship that you guys have. One more than the other. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pointing to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you for, for saying that because uh-huh. our listeners wouldn't have seen that. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. We've already done an interview with Andrew for Along the Way, and uh, he, he's ta- talked about his musical journey. But Patsy, I want to I hear about your journey of how God has been walking with you along your life. Well, it, it, it's hard to put it in a little message and the reason for that is I've lived so many years and the Lord has presented himself to me in many different ways and I've needed that because I've gone through a lot of difficult places. Mm -hmm. I've also had the great joy of being in ministry on platforms with people, seeing him change their hearts. And that's been thrilling and life-giving to me. But in the hardest days, those that would have been in my 20s, mm-hmm. and believe it or not, I can re- still remember that, <laughs> um, was when I was uh, when I had agoraphobia, but yeah. I didn't know it had a name. Right. It wouldn't be until I was out of the home and functioning again that I would find out that it, I had a title that I had never claimed. Yeah. But I found that I was struggling with fears that were irrational Hmm. and that they were multiplying and that they were demanding my energies and that they were uh, halting any progress of development for me. I was not growing or changing or enjoying life. Mm -hmm. I was becoming um, very inward, uh, introspective in the worst kind of ways and uh, I found that I was afraid after a while to leave my home because I was afraid I would have an anxiety attack. I was being rushed to the hospital pretty regularly for my anxiety attacks because I didn't know what they were and I thought I was dying. Mm. And so my husband would rush me in, they would give me a shot of Demerol, knock me out, I would wake up at home hours later, not knowing what had happened to me, not understanding that there were other people that struggled. I thought I was the only one who was going through this and it was going to take my life. Hmm. So I was very frightened. I was very fear-based. I have a vivid imagination and it was taking me in all the wrong direction. And so um, the changes began when I woke up one day and I realized how I had gone from being a fairly normal, quote-unquote, kind of person, I thought. Mm -hmm. I realized now I was never normal. (laughs) Um, And... I realized that I was now a hostage in my home, and I had not only withdrawn from society and withdrawn into my home, I had withdrawn into my bed. Hmm. And I thought, now where do you go? If things get worse than they are now, what will you do? And I thought, they'll have to lock me away somewhere. It was at that moment I prayed a prayer of relinquishment. Mm. In the past, I had been praying 
up. Trust me, I've been praying. So you were already a Christian when this was happening. I was, and people expect me to say I was agoraphobic. I met the Lord, and I was well, <laughs> but I met the Lord, and then I became an agoraphobic. And that didn't make any sense, because I'd read where it said, I've come to give you life and that more abundantly. Yeah. This was not an abundant life. No, so all. I was very confused by all of that. Uh, and so at that point when I realized uh, what was I going to do, instead of telling God how to run his business, which is what I had been doing, mm-hmm. I'd been saying, I don't know why you haven't done this and you need to do that. And could you fix this? And could you make me well in the night while I'm resting so <laughs> I could wake up righteous? Yeah. That's how I thought it should work. If I say to the Lord, I love you, then... Mm-hmm. He, in return, should show his love by making me well. Hmm. So um, I was making God up. I wasn't hmm. learning who he was through the reliability of the word of God, but I was deciding through my neediness mm-hmm. who I wanted him to be. And in that moment, when I realized I had nowhere else to go, I said to him, I'll do whatever you ask of me. And in the moment I said that, I heard him ask me something, um, Mm. not in an audible voice, but in that still small voice of the heart. Yeah. And what I heard him say was not what I wanted. (laughs) He said, make your bed. Mm. And I thought, make my bed? I'm telling you, I'm pouring out my heart here. Yeah. I'm, I'm in big trouble, and I need you to help me. And I heard it again, make your bed. And I thought, that makes no sense to me. First of all, I'm in it. And then I went, oh, <laughs> yeah. So there's a start, step out of it. And then when I stepped out of it and looked at the bed, I remembered asking in my head, Do I have to make both sides? Because I only slept on this side. You know who slept over there, and shouldn't he make his own? Both sides every morning. Mm. And I thought, well, now this is a waste of time because I need to be well, and you are giving me this small assignment. It would take quite a long while of studying the Word of God and learning how to appropriate appropriated that I would understand that when you're faithful in little things, Mm -hmm. that's when he'll give you more. And when you're faithful in more, that's when he'll give you much. Mm -hmm. And I wasn't willing to be faithful in little. And I was shouting for more and much. I wanted all the more and muchness I could get. And he's going, make your bed. Yeah. Both sides. That kind of reminds me of the story in the Bible where the uh, the one general was told to go wash himself in the Jordan River because mm-hmm. he had leprosy. Mm-hmm. And he went to the prophet, and uh, I think it was Elisha, told him, go dip yourself in the Jordan seven times. And he said, what about these rivers over here? You know, what about these these rivers in, in Syria or wherever he came from? They're much cleaner. They're better. And uh, God has a way of doing things that he wants us to submit our will to his. And so that's, that kind of reminded me of, of that in your story. Yeah, that point of relinquishment is really incredibly 
helpful when you're wanting to make change. Mm-hmm. If you want to make a change and you really mean it, then get down to business. And it's at that point you say, I give up my rights and I will assume my safety in the care of your plan. And safety was a huge issue for me yeah. because I was so frightened. What were you afraid of? Everything. Everything. I was afraid of storms. I was afraid of riding in cars. I was afraid of people. I was afraid of people who argued. I was hmm. afraid of loud noises. I mean, it, I was afraid of doctors and hospitals. and It just went on. I was afraid of medication, hmm. even though I... Uh, there were a lot of people who'd like to give me some. Um, I remember when I was having those shots of Demerol, my husband said, I sure wish you'd let me take some of that home with me. Save a trip. <laughs> wow. Mm-hmm. So you started making your bed. I started making my bed, and I thought, well, if I'm not in my bed, what am I going to do? And I thought I heard him say the dishes. Uh, what <laughs> happened was I began to put my home in order Mm. physically. And the more physical moves I made to order my home, the more I felt I could deal with some of the disorder inside of me. And I was getting help with that through the counsel of his word as I'd read it and read it and read it. And I would read a chapter and I would think, well, that was really a good chapter, but I don't get it. And uh, then I'd read it again, and I'd think, well, I still don't get it. And then I realized he didn't ask me to get it. He asked me to obey it. And when I obeyed it, I began to get it. Mm -hmm. Oh, I see. When you say love your enemy, and I'm mad at my husband, and I (laughs) deliberately go do something kind for him, and it changes the way we relate and the atmosphere Mm -hmm. of our home, that you at work through your word. Mm. Wow. And so you just gradually, God healed you over a process. Yes, and he began bringing people into my life, first by telephone, because I wasn't going out. Uh-huh. <laughs> and then gradually, as trust built, and uh, they made me feel accepted, as broken as I was, and they uh, included me in things like Bible study. I just couldn't get enough of it. Hmm. And so you started writing books? Is that what happened next for you? No, or, or? I started selling books. Isn't okay. that funny? I <laughs> opened a little bookstore in my home. That way I could read them before I sold them. Okay. So I could never eat dinner and read a book at the same time because I get spaghetti on the pages. <laughs> and people don't like that when no. they're buying a new book. You have to so, the discount rack. <laughs> uh, I became known as God's little bookie. Uh, because I would be invited to go to ladies' groups and tell them at local churches about these books that I had in my store. And uh, now my store was one little tiny bedroom with shelves uh, and uh, books that I had got on consignment. Okay. So I would sell those, at first read them, then sell them. And because I read them, I was enthusiastic about their content. So I couldn't wait to tell people. And God used people and books to help change my life. Wow. So you got invited to come just speak about your little bookstore and basically 
it was like a sales thing, a sales pitch. And love for books. Yes, I was so excited about the books, and I couldn't <laughs> wait to make people aware yeah. of what was in each one so that when they made a selection, it fit their needs. Mm. Uh, because I was on a limited budget, actually, a zero budget, <laughs> and uh, I knew that it was life-giving for me, and I wanted people to be able to have the right selection. Mm-hmm. So then how did you start writing? Well, um, I first, after being uh, selling books, I was invited then to do speaking. Oh, okay. So I became a speaker long before I became a writer. But always in my heart, I carried a shelf of books yeah. <laughs> because I was continued to be a reader. And I, I, everywhere I went, I would tell people, you know, it would help you with that when they would come up afterwards <laughs> and say, well, I'm really struggling with communication with my husband. Chuck Swindoll just wrote a book on that very topic. Uh-huh. You know, and I, I couldn't wait to tell people. So you were so. Google before Google existed. <laughs> yes. yes. I was a walking, talking Google <laughs> if ever there was one. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you still do that. Yeah. I, I still mean, do that. Yeah, That's great. She recommends many things and many good things. And we'll follow up later and say, now, did you like that? Or uh-huh. was that, she's, uh-huh. she's tailoring the taste, you know? So, so she's, so she's Google with accountability. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, it's just a parameter. So you went from not even being able to leave your bed to now you're speaking in front of people. God's done an amazing work in your life. He has, but it, it didn't come easy. And he was so uh, merciful because in the beginning it was, you know, a few ladies in a Bible study. Mm-hmm. Then it was a few ladies at a church meeting locally. And then it was ladies at another church in the next town. And my husband would take me or a girlfriend would go with me. Uh, And so it was gradually growing me into a position of being able to speak to as many people as he asked me to. So with my years at Women of Faith, we spoke to over 5 million women in the 20 years. That's a lot of little Bible studies altogether. That's a lot of Bible (laughs) studies. So the first time that we walked in, uh, the Women of Faith team walked into an arena. Who were some of the people with that? Uh, Sheila Walsh, Marilyn Meberg, uh, Barbara Johnson at that time. She was a huge hit with the ladies. Um, Thelma Wells. Um, These were the originals, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Lucy Swindoll. Lucy Swindoll, mm-hmm. who was another big hit. But mm-hmm. through the years, moved through many, many, many. There were many speakers. that came in and out yeah. and through the system but the original team. Mm-hmm. And uh, so we, when we went to our first arena event, we stepped into the arena. It was Barbara Merrill and myself and 
uh, I'm not sure who the fourth one was, that we were standing together and we were looking out at this vast building. Mm-hmm. And when we looked back, we were all crying. <laughs> because it For was... Reasons, <laughs> it was overwhelming to think that we would be like a little ant on the stage in this huge arena, surrounded, wrapped around in people. Mm. And it was thrilling, um, but it was also knee-knocking. because. Yeah. And then suddenly we've got four cameras, and so we're having to learn how to work with cameras mm-hmm. and how to work with the audience. Did your fear try to come back? Every week. Every week. <laughs> Do you know, to this day, I have to be positioned in my mind. I have to draw from the well of scripture that helped me to find my way out of uh, the terror that I once lived in. I've never uh, gone back to where I once was, Mm -hmm. but I have had seasons that have been more difficult than others. I feel so much more prepared Mm. to deal with um, uh, the bullying of fear. And I know that fear has friends, uh, like anger. And and so if I'm starting to get too feisty, too difficult, too verbal, too sharp, too harsh, those are signs I'd better back off Hmm. because I'm heading in a direction that isn't safe for me. So, because to go there and to indulge in that kind of... um, emotional throw that what happens is it stirs up all that anxiety yeah and so i can't afford that it's like learning how to put boundaries on anything Mm -hmm. i have to have boundaries on my emotions and also my thought life if i'm getting highly negative i have to go back and remember that the mindset on the spirit is life and peace yeah so I have to deliberately set my mind. Mm-hmm. So do, do, you have, do you have people that help you kind of identify when you're kind of getting close to those boundaries? I have kids. What are you talking about? And I have friends. (laughs) I have friends that don't mince theirs either. And a number of my friends are therapists, which I think is hysterical. Uh Uh, They're drawn to me. Uh Uh, I think they think now here's a case if ever there was one. Um, Project. But yeah, I'm a project. Mm -hmm. All right. So um, I benefit uh, from my family and friends. Uh, being able to say, you know, you're getting kind of cranky. Mm-hmm. For them, that's all they're thinking. But for me, the story's deeper. <laughs> it yeah. goes all the way back to a past where I allowed my emotions to dictate my choices. Mm-hmm. And that's how I got into mental health problems. And my friend Marilyn Meberg has a little saying that I just love, and that is emotions don't have brains. And that we can't allow our emotions to think for us because God didn't design them to be thinkable. Hmm. He designed them for our feelings. And a feeling can be there one minute and gone the next. And so um, 
we have to be willing to use the mind he gave us, set it in the direction of what we know to be true, Mm -hmm. and then walk in that direction. So you've taken your experiences and you've written some books that are pretty funny. Well, so some of them are a little. No, <laughs> they're a little playful for yeah. such a heavy and a dark yeah. background. But humor was part of what brought me out. But the humor um, was birthed in uh, sarcasm. Okay. And so sarcasm is just anger that's gone mm. underground and come back up in a clown suit. So Ooh, people That's a good description of, of sarcasm. Mm-hmm. So wow. so people will laugh at sarcasm, but often it's because they're so uncomfortable mm. that that their it's their insecurity that's responding. We we laugh uneasily when we know that that wasn't the right thing to mm-hmm. say or a good thing to say or a kind thing to say. So I had to have uh, the anger removed from the humor. So the humor, uh, I might use it uh, against myself, but not against someone else. Yeah. Wow. Which is tricky in our, I think, current cultural state. Right. We have a very biting humor. I have a very biting tongue, so I have to... And I think some sarcastic things can be very funny. I think they're probably funny in private mm-hmm. um, without, you know, in the sense of, and maybe they're never edifying. They're probably not edifying for me either, even in private to laugh at something because they're usually at the expense. And that's my guidelines. Mm-hmm. It's right there. Mm-hmm. If it's at the expense of another person's dignity, it isn't funny and it doesn't matter who laughs. Mm-hmm. Um, mm. People can laugh, but if it's at the expense of another person, then I feel that we've crossed a line. Yeah. But, and certainly for myself, I know I've crossed mm-hmm. a line when I go to them. Yeah. So you've spoken in front of some really large audiences and you've written mm-hmm. a lot of books. If you could look back at your life mm-hmm. and just kind of point out where you didn't realize Jesus was walking with you, but you look back and you say, oh, wow, he was right there this whole time and I just didn't see it at that moment. I want to learn from an experience like that in your life so that I don't miss those opportunities. Well, we were discussing before we came on air about the Emmaus Road Mm -hmm. and the disciples saying later afterwards as they evaluated it, did our hearts not burn within us? And um, I remember uh, I have one brother, one sister. My brother was nine years older. My sister is 13 years younger. So we're what you call a space-age family. Same mom and dad, just very slow. So with the nine years between my brother and I, we had a chance to bond as brother and sister, where by the time our sister came along, Mm -hmm. my brother already had two and a half children, and so oh, wow. he was not feeling <laughs> like this wasn't, <laughs> this wasn't a sister. Uh-huh. He said, it feels like one of my kids. Mm-hmm. So, But she and I were under the same rock for a number of years. So mm-hmm. we were able to bond. And so I'm the middle child, but with such distance. I yeah. function like a firstborn with some detriment. So, (laughs) but the call came that my brother, who at that time 
was 38 years old, was in a serious car accident. Mm. And uh, some hours later, uh, actually it was a couple days later, he died. Oh. They had him on life support. When the life support was taken off, he, he was gone. He left behind six young children. And mm. so um, I uh, have the ability to take on everybody's pain, not to handle it well, mm. just to take it on. <laughs> so I'm an absorber. That's okay. what my nutritionist used to say about me. You absorb everything. So I'm an mm. absorber. And I was carrying the weight of all this. I was feeling... Uh, on the edge of despair, here are six children. I watched each one walk up to the mm-hmm. casket and put their favorite thing in uh, there for their dad. Mm. It was heartbreaking. Yeah. His favorite, they put his favorite uh, fishing pole, mm. his favorite pipe. They put their favorite uh, cross. Um, each of them brought different items, yeah. and then they'd think of others and go get them. I thought pretty soon they wouldn't be able to lift that casket. But it was a very important uh, for them to have some way to express their, their last words of love mm. to their dad. And it was, it was just breaking my heart. And I called up a friend, and I said, I am bleak. Mm. I'm feeling helpless and I'm close to hopeless. And uh, she said, well, I'm busy today. I got laundry. I said, I don't think you heard me. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) I don't care about your laundry. (laughs) You get in your car and come over right now. So she did. And she brought her Bible and um, she began to read to me from Psalms 27. And as she read the first verse, I thought, no, that's not it. Hmm. I was looking for something <laughs> that would bring me hope. And the second verse, that wasn't it. And we're down to the, you know, the 10th verse, and that's not it. And I thought, well, I shouldn't have had her come over and she shouldn't be reading that psalm and where's the hope and then she got to the last two verses and I would have despaired unless I had believed I would Mm. see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living and I went wait that's it (laughs) that's it say it again now say it again now say it one more time Mm. And I thought, I would have despaired unless I would believe that I would see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. And I thought, he has a heart for the widow and the orphans. He can come alongside them in ways I'd never be able to. And he can meet them in their greatest loss. And I can trust him Hmm with what he's doing through all this sad part of our family story. And there was something that came alive in that those verses that was like, um, it was burning in my heart. Mm. And I thought, this is truth. And this is for me in this moment in regard to our family. So... 
Would you consider that like a life verse now that you've held on to ever since then? I've certainly offered it to a lot of people who were feeling I could tell on the edge of their own despair. And uh, and sometimes it has been just what they needed. Mm-hmm. And other times it's been something else that's spoken more to them. We never know what's going to speak to any one person and... So we offer what we know. And God has a way of filling in those blanks and making sure that the right verse gets to the right person at the right right. time. That's right. Yeah. If you could go back in time and visit yourself at a younger age and give yourself a piece of advice, Mm -hmm. what would that advice be? And what's going on in your life at that time that you want to interact right then? Yeah, I think uh, if I would go back, I would tell myself to chill. Mm. (laughs) Chill, sweetheart. You are way too uptight, and you need to be more uh, tender and generous with this loving husband you've been given. Mm. Uh, You jump too quickly to conclusions. You're harsh in ways that are not helpful to relationship. I I think that's what I... What was going on was a lot of uh, um, spatting, Mm. a lot of disagreeing over things that did not matter and still do not matter. And so letting the little things go and concentrating on the bigger call in life, which is to extend the love of Christ. Mm. She has trouble articulating, doesn't she? <laughs> oh, and I would uh, tell her not to talk so much. Tell her not to talk. <laughs> that, wasn't, that was not the comment. No, that, that's, that's good. i got to process that. I can't wait to uh, put this episode together so I can hear from that. Because I grow so much as a person from these conversations that I've been having along the way. Mm-hmm. And this isn't just something that I'm doing to create a podcast program. It's something that I feel like God wanted me to do to grow as a person, grow as a man of God, and grow in relationship. Thank you for spending some time with me to do that today. Oh, well, I've, Absolutely. I've loved it. You've made it very easy. Well, thank you. Thank you. <laughs> do you have any books that you would recommend that have, obviously you've been a professional book recommender, um, <laughs> but what would you recommend for me now that we've talked for about an hour or so? Is there a book that you would recommend for me? Well, I think I would have to know a little bit more of where what your heart is seeking mm-hmm. right now uh, to be able to answer that in a way that would fit in to what you're looking for. Because we're all looking for things. Yeah. We're all looking for a better day. We're looking for um, the right person. We're looking for the right job. Mm-hmm. We're looking for... Who am I going to be when I grow up? Mm-hmm. I got worried about that when that thought came to me the other day. I thought, you've run out of calendar, honey. If you haven't found it by now, you're in big trouble. But I think it has to do with the ukulele. Yeah. So, uh-huh. Yeah, the traveling minstrel thing. <laughs> um, there are so many yeah. books in the world (laughs) that it is mind-blowing but when you start bringing it down um, to men who have written for men in ways that change lives I think of Eugene Peterson Mm. I think of um, uh, Soren Kierkegaard I think of um, C.S. Lewis Mm -hmm. 
But here's what I think is important to mix in with all of that, and that's Max Licato, because of his tenderness. Uh, I think every man needs to have a good fill of Max because <laughs> he walks in sandals. You know, <laughs> when he writes, he doesn't stomp all in, he doesn't <laughs> knock down doors. He comes in quietly and makes an impact. And I think it's uh, brilliant. And, yeah. uh, women are so drawn to Max's books. Uh, Max was one of the few speakers, male speakers, that women of faith brought back again and again wow. because they knew they could trust him to be kind in mm. his presentation with that many women. So, I mean, there were times our audience was uh, 20,000 or 22,000. It went all the way up to 25,000 wow. was, I think, our largest. But Max knew uh, how to speak with uh, uh, honoring women and speaking in ways that women could receive. So... I think every man in his library should have some Max. Yeah. Do you have a recommendation for a first one to look at? Oh, whoa. You can't go wrong with anything he's mm. written. Uh, every time I read one, I think, how do you do this? Mm-hmm. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah. Uh, it's his gift and his calling, yeah. certainly. But he just is, his words are stunning. And I think the level of kindness that rests on them is something that God has ordained for him. Mm-hmm. That he might put his hand to the page, and that page might press truth in in a way that's um, easy to receive. Yeah. So you can't go wrong with any of his books. That's great. No. I, th- I would say, okay. though, I think one of his kindest ones is one of his older ones, called No Wonder They Call Him the Savior, uh, which is probably 30 years Mm -hmm. ago. And I remember my mother gave that to me when I went to college. um, And I remember her writing in the front of it, May Jesus the Christ Always Be Near to Your Heart. And I think that book um, does a really wonderful job, as Patsy is talking about Max's giftedness, in painting a picture of Jesus the Christ in a way that I had not experienced up until then, hmm. you know. So there's one. He also just released one about the promises okay. of God, and it goes through twelve promises in a kind of practical way, you know. But mm-hmm. he's not a practical writer. I mean, he's a he's very artistic, so it doesn't feel like it's not a step a one, to-do. step two, but it's a no. You're gonna get it. But yet he's putting a lot of practicality yeah. in there. He's a big man to walk into a room of twenty five thousand. Women, period. Uh-huh. So he's a very courageous man. He's tender and courageous. <laughs> and uh, he's fun. He yeah. makes mm-hmm. us laugh. and uh, Not where you slap your knee silly, but where you, you just feel like you're glad you're there to receive mm-hmm. from such a person. Yeah. That's something that I definitely want people to feel like when they're around me is that they feel like, they've been around Jesus because they've been around me. Mm-hmm. Just like I'm feeling around this table talking with you. He's that, pointing to Patsy. Uh, yeah. 
<laughs> but but seriously, I'm uh, I appreciate your story and the, the willingness to share that, and I can't wait to spend some time processing this even more. As we're wrapping up, I want to hear a little bit more about bridges and mm-hmm. how people can listen to that and uh, when it's going to be mm-hmm. in the podcast and everything. So our podcast will release at the beginning of 2020. We had the opportunity with Moody, um, that is based out of the Southeast region, to kind of, we had a relationship, well, Patsy has a long relationship with Moody all mm-hmm. over. I have a close relationship with Moody that is... You're talking Moody Bible Institute? Mm-hmm. And Moody Radio, Moody Radio uh-huh, which okay. is Moody Bible Institute. Well, yeah. I don't know how all that parcels out but you get it Mm -hmm. i was filling in for the morning segment like drive time which Mm -hmm. who knows what in the world i was doing because (laughs) except that i can talk at length without any prompting so it worked (laughs) but i had patsy patsy was very generous to come a few friends um to help me fill the morning spot because moody is talk radio Mm -hmm. you're not playing a bunch of songs they really want to hear people uh talk and think and all that stuff so Scott Thunder, the general manager who produces some of their shows, heard our segment and was like, my goodness, y'all should do radio. And so that's what first inspired it. And we were able to record a series of episodes for Moody. And then Patsy here decided she wanted to get her heart worked on. And <laughs> so <laughs> she had open heart surgery earlier this year. Oh, you're not talking about another emotional thing. You're talking about physical. No, she okay. did all that work. And then, uh-huh. yeah. But um, so as she went through that process, we took a little hiatus. And in that okay. hiatus from the show, um, and as she's been revving back up, uh, we feel like podcast is such a wonderful, as you know, format mm-hmm. to be able to speak at length without timestamps. Yeah. And all the conversations we had for the moody, moody portions were much longer than we could mm-hmm. include. Mm-hmm. And yeah. uh, so we look forward to yeah releasing that as a podcast where it can live like yours in a little more longer format. Yeah. So we can give people just more of what they want, which is us talking. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. We want is, that that. What, is that a good explanation? <laughs> sure. <laughs> so what are you looking forward to for this Bridges podcast? Well, I enjoy working with Andrew. He makes me laugh and... Uh, at this stage of my life, Lord knows I need to laugh. <laughs> uh, he also challenges me to think, and I need to make sure that I keep my brain cells as connected as possible. Yeah. Uh, and so anytime there's two of them that are on speaking terms, I'm pretty happy. <laughs> um, so I'm looking forward to just to working with them because mm-hmm. we have a, a very natural and comfortable way yeah. of being able to relate and talk mm-hmm. and not take each other's time and yet be there for the other one when mm-hmm. they need some support. Mm-hmm. So um, that's probably the biggest thing, except we want it to matter to people. Mm, yeah. We want to bring some answers because we're living in times that our uh, people are insecure and suspicious. They are both feeling mistrustful and they're feeling really intimidated Mm -hmm. by what's next. Everything seems to be out of control. And so um, we would like to bring some 
words of hope and inspiration and some music. I mm-hmm. I love Andrew's music mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, and the levity that she was speaking about earlier in her own uh, catalog of books and speaking is so important because yeah. I do think we. Uh, to reiterate what Patsy's saying, live in a culture at least that is perceived as really heavy. I think every, in sure. all of human population, mm-hmm. I mean, since the beginning of time of humanity, there has always been heaviness. It's it's the thing we've had to learn to figure out and the thing that we continue to open up our palms and look up, you know, and go, really, what do we do with this? You know, where are you? It's the, It's where is he along the way, mm-hmm. right? So we've always had that question. We've always had the the heaviness of being within this flesh and bone, and yet we're eternal people created yeah. in the image of God. There's all that. So levity, you know, laughter, um, being laugh, being able to laugh at ourselves, being we have the comfort where we can laugh at one another, uh, with one another, mm-hmm. and it not be at one another. Yeah. I think, and I think for people to learn how to laugh, we're we're very afraid to laugh with one another. Nowadays, because really of a politically correct culture, I, I even experience, I'm one of the least respectful people there is, <laughs> and yet I find myself really being cautious to yeah. laugh at certain things that are truly funny and that I don't think are at the expense of someone and are not born out of a heart of anger or frustration or prejudice or anything. Mm-hmm. And yet it can be very difficult to laugh. So I think the example of that, and I think it can be exampled because we are respecting one another I think it's especially important for me to example that in our dynamic because I'm the younger mm-hmm. of the two to say this is, I can both respect my elder, which I think is still very important culturally around the world, yeah. but that we can also talk, you know, mm-hmm. that we can talk openly and we can laugh about the things that indeed are funny about life. Life is funny. Absolutely. And I think there'll be some belly laughter I certainly hope so. Yeah, I would be. I would be disappointed if there wasn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm expecting it as soon as wherever I meet God, however that looks, the picture of that. You know, he'll they'll be he'll be laughing at me. I think. Mm -hmm. Oh, it's you. (laughs) (laughs) Ta-da! So you you already have some episodes ready, but you're going to be releasing Mm -hmm. them in 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 podcast form. Yeah. So we've had some really great guests, and we look forward to some more and. Uh, it really just people who are thoughtful about life, about God, and about the intersection of all those things, and who do respect the generations. Mm-hmm. I think people who only interact within their peer group, okay. uh, maybe that's because of their job or their church setting or whatever, if we only interact within our peer group, uh, there's a certain zest of life that is lost a little bit. Mm-hmm. And I actually find with my peer group, uh, some of my friends who maybe are mainly interacting within our peer group, they tend to be a little more serious about life, and they also tend to struggle with a lot more anxiety and fear, and I think that's just simply because they don't have some people around them to offer some bigger, wider perspective. Mm -hmm. Fear and anxiety is normal, but for it to become crippling, I think sometimes that's that very myopic you yeah. know, perspective. So I'm always telling, if I have a friend who's experiencing anxiety, which I have experienced myself, yeah. I say, go talk to someone 40 years older than you, just for fun. Yeah. You know, you'll That's find that you will survive. I know when I was going through some anxiety and depression a few years ago, 
I knew that my natural thing that I wanted to do was to turn inwards and mm-hmm. focus on myself and push the world out. Once I realized that that's what I naturally wanted to do in my flesh, I said, I'm not going to do that. So I started going to two connection groups at my church, one on Monday, one on Wednesday. On Tuesday, I joined a kickball league, an adult kickball league. <laughs> How crazy is that? But I love it. I've been doing it now for three years, and I play on now Monday and Tuesday nights with two different teams. And it's not a Christian thing, mm-hmm. but I've been able to make some really great friends with sure. that. Yeah, cool. And so I'm doing church things. I'm doing things with friends that are athletic. And it really helped me kind of not focus on yourself. myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. There, it's, it's not wrong to do some introspection. It's wrong to get lost in your introspection. Yeah, very good. Very and good. to get stuck in it. But um, relationally... Um, it is good to keep your community wide. People often ask me, well, what do you think is a healthy number of people to have as friends? And I said, <laughs> well, if we look at, at Jesus, um, he interacted with the mm-hmm. multitudes, but his friends uh, were the 12 disciples. Out of the 12, there were three that he spent more time with mm-hmm. than the others. And out of those three, there was one that was beloved. Mm-hmm. So it gives us not a law, but a suggestion yeah. that perhaps uh, 12 is a huge number mm-hmm. if you're going to maintain the relationship and keep it healthy. Yeah. If you're going to have interaction, if you're going to care about that person. Uh, because people would say to me, Patsy, you're trying to be friends with the whole world. You can't. You can't do justice to mm-hmm. friendship if it's everybody. You're going to have to bring down your expectations, which was true on almost everything with my life. <laughs> I, I'm just, I was just a little overdone. So. <laughs> well, I've enjoyed having this conversation with you, Andrew and Patsy. I'm looking forward to hearing the full episodes of your Bridges podcast coming soon. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'd like to continue on having conversations with you another time. Thanks, Wonderful. Uh, Be yeah. glad to. It was such a blessing to meet Patsy and hear her story of how God brought her through agoraphobia. I can't imagine the severity of her specific fear, but I've faced some of my own fears. In fact, I went through a season in my life that I had to pray and rehearse 2 Timothy 1.7 every morning in order to get out of bed to face my day. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Fear is not from God, and if it's not from God, we don't need to receive it. The things that God promised us is His power, His love, and His sound mind. Sometimes the first step to overcoming fear is as basic as getting out of bed. We don't need to stay as a prisoner in our own mind. We have the mind of Christ. Start believing it. Start acting like it. Remember, emotions don't have brains. Don't let them think for you. If you aren't sure that you have the mind of Christ, there is a simple first step. Make Jesus the Lord of your life. Follow him. Give your past, present, and future to him and trust him with it. I guarantee you that he has a better plan for your life than you do. And read the Bible for yourself. Get his words in your mind and let it transform your heart. If you decide that you want to make Jesus the forgiver of your past and the leader into your future, but need help with that, please reach out to me. I'd be more than happy to talk with you about it. God told Patsy to make her bed and then to do the dishes. 
Those things don't sound spiritual, but making your bed is spiritual. Getting your house in order is spiritual. Obedience to the little things is spiritual. And when we are faithful in little, God can trust us to be faithful in the much. We don't have to understand God's word to obey it, but when we obey it, we start to understand it. I love how Patsy phrased that. It's so true. Patsy defines sarcasm as anger that has gone underground and come back up in a clown suit. Wow, that's convicting. We need to be careful with our words. There is power in the tongue. It can bring life or death. We never know what's going to speak to any one person, so we offer what we know and make sure we do it in love. Patsy is a reader, and that's something that I'm trying to be. As I'm trying to become more of a reader, I want to share with you the advice that a good friend gave to me. Read three pages every day. I've found that when you read three pages, you're more likely to read a fourth, then a fifth, then a sixth, and so on. Start small, but just read, and consistently. As always, links and books recommended in this episode are in the show notes. And keep an eye out for Patsy and Andrew's podcast, Bridges, coming in January 2020. It will be insightful and a lot of fun. Again, I want to thank Redbird Social for letting me use their studio to record this interview. And thank you for listening to Along the Way. If you've enjoyed joining me along my way, please share this episode with a friend who you think will be encouraged by this podcast. Also, please rate and review Along the Way on iTunes. That helps more people discover Along the Way. And subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. And you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and at my website, alongtheway.media. You can always email me at johnalongtheway at gmail.com. I hope that you've enjoyed this part of my journey. And may you realize when Jesus is walking with you along your way.